Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Happy Wednesday, everyone. It is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. And we are joined by Dusty Dvorak via the Blitz Hotline. Dusty, happy Woo! Wednesday. What is happening? Oh, boys, just trying to bundle up and stay warm. Uh, how about the uh, the change of weather yesterday from 88 degrees? I think it peaked at my house to this morning. I got up, was doing radio, and it was 28 degrees. I'm not good with math, but I believe that's a 60-degree variance uh, from yesterday afternoon to this morning. So uh, hopefully everybody is able to deal with the cold weather. I'm ready for the warm weather, baby. Bring it on. I hate it when we get teased like that, dude. Like especially multiple yeah, no. days of it in a row. Like one day I'm okay with, but when we get three, four days in a row, it just changes your entire mindset. And then, you know, that like if that felt like you got punched in the face when that wind came through last night. It did. It actually it like I don't know I'm trying to figure out what happened. Our alarm went off. So like I guess the winds were so strong. I don't know if it jostled the door or something. <laughs> but it's like two in the morning and I'm like dead asleep and my wife's like Tessie, the alarm's going off. I'm like, huh? So I like spring to, and I'm like, I'm running the, running the living room, and I check everything out, and I set the alarm off, and I'm like, um, so making sure everything's fine, and then we talk to the, the alarm people, and they tell us that uh, it was just the wind. Uh, so, yes, the, the wind was, it was in full force at about 2 a.m. this morning coming through Norman. I can tell you that. And, and I'm with you, Pop, man. It's like one day is one thing, but like three or four days, it was almost like four out of five to where I'm like cleaning the pool out, thinking about going ahead and opening the baby <laughs> up. And it's like, eh, this kind of puts you, brings you right back down to earth a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, we went to the Thunder game last night, Dusty, and, and I, I put on a hoodie and wore a jacket on the way there and I was sweating. But I had looked at the temperatures and I was glad I did because on our way out of there around midnight, that was that was atrocious to walk from the arena to the to the parking garage and the number of people wearing just t-shirts and shorts. Uh, I guess the the short amount of time of sweating was worth it. They did not get the memo. Look at you being weather aware. Uh, between News on Six and News Nine and Oklahoma City, they'll get you right. I'm sure you were all over that. Uh, so well done by you. Uh, I, I can't say that I probably followed the Thunder as closely as you boys. I obviously pay attention, but, I mean, how about this team right now, guys? Holy cow. Uh, they put on a show for you last night. Obviously, the Rockets aren't very good, but this Thunder team, man, they are fun to watch, to say the least. That, that SGA guy, uh, I think he's pretty good. I think he, he's a keeper. Colby brought up a good point earlier. It's uh, They've been good enough and at the top of the re- uh, standings in the West that it's almost like, all right, we find ourselves getting antsy again for playoff basketball because that seems to be like the the last thing that they haven't been able to prove yet just because we haven't seen them in a setting like that. So it's like, all right, I know it's only February, still February, getting ready to turn to March, but, man, it would sure feel better that we could just go ahead and start the playoffs now with this how good that they've been playing. 
I'm with you on that, man. Especially at home, 24 and six this year at home, tied for the second best record in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously at this point, you want them to keep playing well and stay healthy uh, before you get to postseason. But uh, it's a it is a fun young team, and boy, it sure seems like they're going to have some real staying power. So I'm I'm with you, man. The playoffs are uh, are going to be fun. Great for great for Oklahoma City and great for the Thunder fans. You kind of worried. Wondered if, you know, a couple years ago, if they had to have some really, really lean years like somebody Spurs are having right now, you kind of wonder, you know, what is the what does the fan base do? I was wondering if you guys were to pick up on that. I was like, dang, I thought that was a pretty good shot across the bow. Uh, but, they didn't, you know, they never really had to – there's a couple years that weren't great, but even when they were – even when they were still trying to find their way, uh, they were still very competitive. And, boy, they've come through on the other side very quickly. It's uh, very impressive, the uh, roster Sam Presti's been able to put together. Well, they, uh, they, they, they did this much quicker than, I think, most rebuilds, right? I mean, it felt yeah. like a couple years there. It felt like an eternity. But in, in actuality, when you look at some of the teams around the NBA that literally have to tear it down and go through that tanking mode, I mean, to, you almost have to hit – on every draft pick to pull yourself out of that. And that's damn near what Sam Presti has done. That's a hundred percent right. Uh, you, you're exactly right. It's tremendous, man. Uh, they have, um, he's, uh, he's clearly knows what he's doing. He's a visionary and he can identify talent and he can put a roster together. And man, you would have thought, like I was saying, like there were, you would have thought there would have been really lean, like two, three, maybe four years before they could flip it. And it's gone so much quicker. Speaking of tanking, are the Spurs, are the Spurs tanking, uh, Pop? Because I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I, and and now I want to get your thoughts real quick on Wimby. Yeah. Uh, because he is still a freak show. He had a dunk, I think it was last week, but it didn't even look real. Like, I mean, it looked like like go-go gadget arm or like something you would have seen in um, NBA jams, like with just the way his arm kind of extended and dunked it. But are you surprised the Spurs are a little bit better this year? Because no, and they are they are struggling. Mildly. No, that roster is god awful, Dusty. Okay. I mean, it's it's okay. just flat out terrible. I, how I equate Wimby and what you're talking about is is that the scene at the end of Space Jam where Michael Jordan's arm yeah. just keeps going and he dunks from yeah. half court. That yeah. that's Wimby basically yeah. to the okay. point where I asked Colby a question the other day. If he were to compete in the dunk contest, could he literally take off from the three-point line and just extend his arm out and dunk it with as wild that he is? But no, the the roster is is bad, um, and the bad thing for them is is where they're at now with potential lottery pick. This isn't necessarily like a banner year for the draft coming up uh, for anyone, especially inside the top ten. So this this rebuild is going to be a little while, and I think more than anything, this is just kind of uh, a young man to rejuvenate Greg Popovich's career at this point because I don't think that he's ready to give it up yet. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. I, as a lifelong Dallas Mavericks fan, uh, I'm I, I'm so unbelievably um, sad for you Spurs fans. That you're <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure that you are. <laughs> uh, with being the doldrums of the Western Conference, I uh, growing up, man, it was especially the the Tim Duncan era uh with Manu and Tony Parker that was uh, there was some there was some massive series and that was an unbelievable rivalry one that 
unfortunately, uh, Dirk and my Mavs were on the wrong side of more than the right side. But um, Listen, I, I know guess, it uh, hurt. It's come full I, circle for I, these Spurs fans. I know it hurt when Michael Finley left and went to the Spurs and won a championship. I, I know that I don't want to talk about oh, okay. it. I don't, don't, don't talk about it. That's my guy. Okay? <laughs> that man is big ears. Okay? I love every part of Michael Finley. <laughs> Uh, great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a great guy. But um, I tell you what, guys, as far as uh, college basketball, I, I sure hope that this tournament delivers the way that it feels like it's going to. Because man, watching some basketball last night, I mean BYU goes into the fog. They haven't played there since 1971. I know Kevin McCullough didn't play, but still, for them to win that game, that was just weird. I did not expect Texas to go to Lubbock. And get a win on the road last night. I'm sure you guys saw what happened there in Mississippi State with Kentucky. Yep. Like, it's college basketball has had a banner year, man. It's been it's been great to watch, not just in the Big Twelve, but outside of it. And I sure hope the tournament delivers because the the regular season has been been a lot of fun to watch. I've heard arguments that that they're the parody in college basketball is great, but the counter argument to that is. Well, there's just no good teams, period. So, I mean, I, I don't know that I, I necessarily agree with there are no good teams, period. But there, there, doesn't, there doesn't seem to have the same feel in terms of having, like, a, a handful of those teams that you feel like are just on a, a, a really, really high level. That, that may be true. Um, is some of that the portal, you know, with, with player movement? I mean, think about, like, Houston, for instance. I mean, they've got a really good team. And one of the key components, L.J. Cryer, he has 22 last night. He was a Baylor Bear a year ago, right? Like, so, I mean, if he's still on Baylor, how much better does that make them? I don't, I don't know. And maybe that's not exactly right. But I do think that the portal has spread the talent around, not just in football, but in basketball, too. And I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily. I, I've been – I think UConn's really good. I think – uh, I think there's several. I think Tennessee is really good. I, I, I like watching Dalton connect. Um, I love me some Houston, man. I'm, I'm, I am rooting for Houston to win a national championship this year, boys. I think if Kelvin Sampson can find a way to capture that, um, I, I don't know. I, I think people close to the sport, he gets his due. I don't know if you're, you're kind of average fringe college basketball fan knows how good of a coach Kelvin Sampson is. I think people – and the state of Oklahoma have a great, especially Oklahoma fans, have a great appreciation for him and, and him as a coach. And obviously his staff is made up of a lot of those Sooners that, that played here, that went to a Final Four in Elite Eight. And uh, that was my freshman year, man. My freshman year, Oklahoma went to that Final Four. And uh, Kelvin was always around the football team. You know, it's a little different now. The, the athletes, I don't think, get a chance to – interact as much now as they as we did then because we all shared all the same facilities and so i i knew hollis and Qantas and Aaron mcgee and so many of those guys and um i just i got a strong appreciation for the toughness and uh what kelvin sampson's all about and he's made two final fours and he's got a pretty good squad this year i would i would love to see him add a national championship to his resume so i'm i got my chips in the middle of the table and i'm hoping that 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 team uh, can can find a way to get it done come tournament time. How's that response going to be, Dusty? Do you think when he comes back in Saturday there? Um, I I I don't think there was any like hard or ill ill will towards Kelvin 
at least over the top from an Oklahoma perspective, was there? I mean, I've, I've slept since he left and went to Indiana. I know Indiana still can't stand him, but I, I hope that the reception is one that is deserved for what he meant to a basketball program. I think it will be, man. I, I, I can't speak to the entire fan base. I don't know, you know, be a great question for Joe Castiglione. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know between those two how that at the end went. But, I mean, isn't it kind of crazy, though, guys? What year was that? What was his last year at Oklahoma? You guys, was it 08? I think his first year, year at was... Indiana was either 07 or 08. Okay, so he's 06. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was text 06 messages, 06 was his last right? year. 06. Wasn't it text messages? Wasn't that the, yes, it was, uh... the big situation? It, it was recruiting violations and – he was sending texts when he wasn't supposed to be sending texts. Like, think about that now again. That's, I guess, gosh, that's been a while, guys. It was 18 years ago. Yes. But think about what we're talking about, you know, a coach breaking rules to the point that he's, you know, let go. And then the way things went down in Indiana over text messages, like, I just, I don't know, man. It's, it, it, it strikes me. I remember at the time it struck me as odd. And it really seems like, seriously, that was a thing, you know, it just, and I know times were different 18 years ago or and 16 years ago. Uh, what was he at Indiana for two years, that second season, they were really good. I believe that second year before you're shown the door, but I, I mean, the, the trouble he got into with the NCAA, it just seems like something that wouldn't even it's, just, it's completely legal and not a big deal whatsoever now. So I, I think with as much time that's passed, I think Oklahoma fans in general think about the good times, the Final Four they led them to, the toughness and effort that his teams played with. I kind of feel like Kelvin Sampson is still very well regarded by the Oklahoma basketball fan base. Speaking of that fan base, they've got Iowa State tonight and then the number one oh. Houston Cougars on Saturday. Are they able to pull one of the two upsets? I mean, I think I think your better opportunity, as crazy as it may sound, is, is Saturday. Um, going to Ames, Iowa, uh, playing there at Hilton Coliseum, that, that's going to be tough, boys. I mean, that is a, that is a tough place to play. And as, as much as I, you know – appreciate and love Houston's tenacity on the defensive end. Iowa State will turn you over about as well as anybody in college basketball. I mean, I think that defensively, they're one of the best defensive teams, not in the Big 12, but in the country. And, boy, they, they will turn you over. T.J. Altsberger, i got to imagine he's going to win Big 12 Coach of the Year. That is a really good Iowa State team, home crowd on their side. I know last night kind of bucked the trend of – you know, being so difficult to win on the road. But I, I think Oklahoma is a nine-and-a-half, ten-point underdog. I'd, I'd be very surprised. Quite frankly, I, I don't think it would be tough to pick Oklahoma in either game. But as crazy as it sounds, I think you'd have a better opportunity at home. Hopefully the number one team in the country brings a crowd to the Lloyd Noble Center. And, you know, if, if Shed and or L.J. Cryer aren't hitting, they don't have a ton of offensive firepower. So I think tonight's going to be a tough putt. Uh, Saturday is not going to be a walk in the park, but that is a tough call. Uh, the two best teams 
in the Big 12, two top 10 teams, and the number one team in the country. But am I crazy to say that I think the more winnable game is Saturday against Houston? No, I don't think so. I think that's that's think probably that's right. about right. I and I I don't think that Indiana or excuse me, Iowa State is that far off. It's almost like the same type of style that you you see from Houston a little bit. And I heard Kelvin some of his comments on how well that he thinks that that Iowa State plays. So yeah, I don't I don't think that you're too far off from there at all. And it's a big weekend um, on campus because we get to open up Love's Field on Friday uh, there in the in the afternoon. I was going to ask you. Is there another story that you can think of in your time that you've been involved in athletics, kind of the you know rise to as dominant power as what the Sooner softball program has and now kind of how revered that they are in a short amount of time? I mean, you were just talking about you were a freshman on campus when OU was going to the Final Four. Like, softball yeah. was a thing, but it wasn't like a thing at all around that time. And now look what they've, what they've built, Dusty, and what they're getting ready to move into. It's, it's still one of the more unique stories I think that exists in this state and maybe in the country with just what Patty has turned that thing into. It's incredible. I want to say what 2000, that was her first national championship. Yes. I believe the same year Oklahoma won it in football and then Kelvin goes to the final four and one and it was just rolling um, when I first got to campus. But as good as they even were then, what, what Patty has turned this program into is just an absolute juggernaut. I mean, she's, you know, she's the Nick Saban of, of softball right now. Um, and it doesn't, it does not appear that she's slowing down anytime soon. I want to answer your question now. I, I can't think of, I can't think of anything at Oklahoma. Maybe I'd have to look gymnastics. I mean, they had an yeah. unbelievable run there for a while. Uh, but I, I think I think with what this softball program has become, and as you mentioned, that beautiful new Loves Field, it's just uh, it's going to be awesome uh, to kick that thing open. I, I don't think that since I've been associated with the program, there's been a more dominant force. I mean, I, you probably guys have to go to, what, UConn basketball? Yeah, that's I a mean, good is one. That the, that's a good one. Is that the, is that the last, like, I would say UConn basketball. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that there's a wrestling. I mean, I know Oklahoma State wrestling. Uh, there was a period of time when I'm sure they were on equal footing. I know that there's been some other programs. I think Penn State's had a really good run in wrestling. But I'd have to – I mean, as far – in the state of Oklahoma, to my knowledge, and at least since I've been around since 01, there has not been anything as dominant from a sports perspective as what, what Patty Gasso and the Oklahoma softball program has become. And I mean, honestly, I think you got to go to Gino Ariema and the Yukon Huskies when he had it absolutely rolling uh, there for that period of time. And that, that's the level of dominance we're talking about with Patty Gasso as great as, and again, I think it's harder in football than it is in, in women's softball. I'm not trying to compare the two, but I mean, the reality is in college football, a three P does not happen since Minnesota in the 30s. Obviously, Georgia felt like they were going to have a great opportunity to do that this year until they stumbled the SEC championship game. But, I mean, think about that, um, how long it's been. So it's, it's tough to think of another sport here in the state and tough to think of another program in college athletics here in the last 10 years or so that you would say you would put above with Patty Gasso and Oklahoma softball has become they are an absolute beast 
and a juggernaut, and everybody's chasing them at the top of that mountain. To me, the unique element of all of that is the way that the fans have embraced the program because Patty's won six titles since 2013. K.J. Kindler at OU Gymnastics has won six titles since 2014. And I'm not suggesting that the fans aren't, aren't paying attention to gymnastics, but, I mean, you can make the argument in terms of, like, what we do, talking about OU athletics and, and what moves the needle, you can make the argument that OU softball is next in line behind football. Like, the people it eat it up. Like, it's, it's amazing to me, not only the success, but the way that people have just attached themselves to that program and are supporting it and are watching it and actively consuming the content. 100%. You're spot on. I did not realize OU, I knew the OU Gymnastics had had won several national championships. I did not realize Coach Kindler had six since 2014. That's amazing. But to your point, and I think that that makes your point for you, is that you know what, what Patty Gasso and Oklahoma softball has done, but not many people probably realize what Oklahoma Gymnastics do, has done. And I, I think twofold, I think that and we've had this discussion, guys, the last couple of summers. I know Colby and I have. Softball is such a watchable sport. I mean, I and I apologize to the baseball people out there. I enjoy watching women's softball more so than college baseball. Uh, and that's no disrespect to anybody. It's just a faster game. I like the pace of play. Same. I, I like everything about it. Um, and I think that, A, softball in general – I think is on a huge uptick. I think it, it's a very easy sport to enjoy sitting at home watching. And then with OU's dominance, this state has embraced it like no other. And the great thing for the state is what's happened there a little bit north in Stillwater. Um, and, and, the, and the way that that program has taken off and, and really become extremely relevant on the national stage. So, yeah, there's no doubt. I remember when I first got into media – here in the state of Oklahoma, and I was doing uh, radio locally in Norman. And we would get callers calling about softball. And, like, I was fresh out of the NFL. <laughs> like I, you know, I'm like, gosh, these people, these fans really like softball that much? Like, I was stunned. And it's like, now I get it. I understand because they're unbelievably talented. Uh, Patty Gasso, uh, she – I think she – really opens her arms and embraces allowing these ladies to play uh, with joy and with passion. And it's easy to, you know, fall in love with watching these teams play. So I, I was, I was a little bit confused at first when I first got back here and I got into media, but after having been here, I, I can't say I'm right there with some of the diehard softball fans, but sign me up as one that has been completely uh, changed my thought process and, I I love me some softball, and I, I love watching OU softball, man. It's awesome. All right, last one from me. This just came down a few moments ago from Ross Dellinger okay. at Yahoo. The 14-team oh playoff model that was being socialized, we have some details mm-hmm. on it. It would grant three AQs each to the Big Ten SEC. What we said? Two, yes. two yeah. AQs each to the Big 12 ACC. Yep, and and one AQ to the G5 with three at large, according to Ross at Yahoo right now. So that's kind of the details that that are out there right now. Now, he did say that this is not finalized and it's only one option, but that seems to be the option right now in the model that's getting the most push right now. 
you guys could pull the clip. It, when we talked about this, was it last Friday? Oh, was it last Friday, last Wednesday? I think I said it would either be four, three yeah. each for the Big 12 SEC, yeah. two for the ACC and Big 12. Very similar. I, uh, and I'm sure the push was for four, but they settled at three. Um, and, and so my question is this. So I, I think that makes sense. Like that, that's actually, I think that's a model that I could actually get behind. My question would be this, though. If you're the group of five, do you want to do that? You know, do you, I mean, how many schools is that, guys? What is that, 70 schools make up the G5-ish? I don't know exactly the numbers. What are we at as far as power four now? What are we, I think we're probably about 66, 68 yeah, schools. Yeah, it's in that range, yep. I think there's about 134 FBS schools right now. So I guess we're talking, what, 68 to 70 schools make up the G5? And one, realistically, is going to get in. One. And you're going to have 13 from the other power four? Like, do they want that? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I've talked to coaches on both sides of it. Um, and I, I, I've heard both ends. I just, I don't know. It just, it seems to me like, it, like we have talked previously, there's going to be a natural separation. But if they all, and again, I think it probably comes down to the money. You know, what, what's, the, what's the distribution going to be to those G5 conferences from a 14-team playoff compared to what it would be if they put together their own 12- or 14-team playoff just to the G5? But um, I'd say that, that that model makes sense to me, guys. I don't know how you feel about it. Obviously, hot off the presses, I'd love to get y'all's thoughts. But I think that that was right in the ballpark of what I expected. I would just – I would just wonder how that sits with those group of five commissioners. Clearly they'd have to sign off on it. And I just, I just wonder, is there not a conversation in the room amongst those G five commissioners to, Hey, should we just do this on our own? Should we at least see what the price tag on that kind of playoff would be? I don't know. To me, that would almost make more sense because the reality is what are the real chances that one out of out of fourteen, and more than likely will rarely, if ever, be one of those top four seeds that gets a buy. You got to win four straight games against those power four programs. What's what's the percentage chance that one of those teams can actually win a national title? Less than one percent. I would say yeah. zero. <laughs> There's no way, no way. It's the, what do you it's guys the think about dumb that and dumber, so you're saying there's a chance yeah. type of thing. Right, that's right. I, I would say that's this, right. if you were the Big 12 and that comes to fruition, like you are doing a giant fist pump. I mean, yeah. that is a home run for the Big 12 to have two automatic qualifiers. And I simultaneously look at that and think, would would Sankey and Petiti really sign off on that? Like, I, it, I... I Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. I would have guessed they would have wanted a, a greater stranglehold on on their own security within the playoff. My gut tells me they push for four, but they said we're good three. And, and here's why I say, yeah, I think they are. Those other three at large, I mean, more times than not, they're probably going to come from the Big Ten or SEC, right? Yes. Let's just be honest. It's more probable, I would say, that a fourth Big Ten or fourth SEC school gets in 
than a third Big 12 or third ACC. More years than not. Won't course, always be yeah. that way. So I think that they recognize that. As long as they're guaranteed the three, and and, and what does that make up? Probably was that probably 22, 21% of the 14 teams? My gut would tell me that, that they're good with that. I know this doesn't fix the money issue in the ACC, but does this calm some nerves in the ACC with getting two automatic spots now? I, w- I would hope so. I can't wait to talk to my co-host in the morning because you know he's, he's <laughs> yeah. leading. Hey, Mister Mister Noel, and my whole thing with the ACC, like what what happens with that though, boys? I mean, they have. You can make the argument as a Clemson, as a Florida State. I would say. In the last 30 years of college football, Florida State is still a bigger brand than Clemson. The last 10 years of college football, it's Clemson. But, I, you know, if you pull back from that, I still think Florida State is, is a more tried-and-true brand. Um, either way, those are the two biggest brands. I think followed by in football, Miami. I think Carolina is always going to carry a big brand. But Florida State is it is in court right now fighting their way to get out of the ACC. Like, what happens if they get their freedom? Because based off the conversations I've had with people, Clemson is going to be right there with them. North Carolina is looking for an avenue out and potentially Miami too. Now, to, to your point, Pop, does this cool some of that with two guarantees? Possibly. But there's still going to be a massive discrepancy in the television revenue dollars that are coming in. So, I just I don't know how that all works itself out because that Florida State piece, how long this gets held up in court and when is the decision made and what is that decision, that could have a – not could. That will have a massive impact on what the ACC and potentially what the SEC and Big Ten look like as well. Fascinating, and uh, we could probably go on for another 30 minutes, Dusty, on on yeah. uh, different scenarios that could exist with this, but uh, a lot to, I think, digest and, and maybe break down on Friday. Absolutely. Can't wait, boys. Have a good rest of your week, my friend. Uh, you too. We'll talk to you later. That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I'm Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin and Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We will take a quick timeout. Uh, I'm still wrapping my mind around, I think, like 18 different scenarios involving just that, uh, that one bit of breaking news from uh, Ross Dellinger. All right, quick timeout, and we're back on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.